talked about work, travel through work, but we have yet to talk about what's work like in other places. Today, we take a trip to the land down under and explore some of the th- ways they do things. We also take a dive into how one perspective is seen and progresses in the workshop. This is Wonders from Down Under. Our guest today is a second year aircraft maintenance apprentice and an aspiring pilot. She joins us all the way from Hunter Valley, Australia. Please welcome Georgia Hot Wings Henderson. <laughs> Ooh, Hot Wings, welcome. <laughs> all the way so from much. Australia. Wow, I think you. you're by far our farthest guest. Am I really? De- definitely the farthest guest, yes. That's pretty cool i'll take that thank you different hemisphere different time zones different the everything yep you're you're by far the furthest yeah <laughs> yeah the benefits it's great <laughs> <laughs> you're jealous the benefits <laughs> all right so you said hunt hunter hunter valley yeah the hunter valley what is that uh, close to because i've never been to australia so for my own for my own knowledge it's like three hours from Sydney, which I feel like a lot of you guys know of over there because that's probably where you're into um, from LAX or something like that, I think. But yeah, Sydney. So Sydney's the marking point for me, closest. And that would be, mm. and then you would be uh, from Sydney, you would be, I guess, west or northwest or southwest? So a little bit in and then up. So a little bit north. Okay. Heaps oh. north. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Can't say I've been there. Yeah. It's a really nice spot up here. It's good. It's really good. And obviously you guys get a decent amount of water because you were telling us prior to uh, recording that you guys have some flooding going on there now. Hopefully hopefully nothing serious though. No, I feel like it's actually happening more so on the coast than here, but it's, it's really weird. So we've actually just been, we're coming out of like a three or four year drought. So it was like, it was bad for a really long time. And now it just hasn't stopped raining which is amazing, but now people are getting floods. So it's like, whatever, we'll just take what we can get at the moment. <laughs> right, yeah, especially after bad. a drought. <laughs> well, was your area really yeah. affected by the fires last year? I know Australia was hit pretty hard yeah. by fires. Yeah, I mean, not um, like, so I live in a town called Scone and we weren't directly hit by anything, but you you couldn't see properly for a few weeks because the smoke was that thick. Like, it was, it was really sad, actually. There was just that really eerie feeling um for weeks and weeks and weeks like it was shocking well we know the feeling here in southern california last year i mean the whole area where where we live was on fire i think the closest one it got to me was within 10 miles of my house it's so scary yeah it's pretty rough that's shocking well, i hope everyone was okay no one no one was too badly affected that you know no i think the uh i think the wildlife and the uh, wilderness took the biggest hit i think most other people were okay we had some fire bombers come down from Canada to support us. We got a big uh, man-made lake in the area. And so they have these Those big scoopers come in and they hit the lake, scoop it up, and then take off again and uh, go and yeah. dump it on the fire. So that was pretty neat to see. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I think they come over to us um, and help us as well during our fire seasons when it gets a bit too hairy. So, yeah, they're good blokes. Those Canadians. Yes. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice people. Blokes, as you said, <laughs> I love the slang, man. I love it. Uh, oh man, uh, yeah, I, I love uh, when I went over to Australia. There's like such a different level of everything. It's freaking awesome. 
I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's cool. We try and be accommodating. We try and be cool. So. Yeah, no, so awesome. I love it. So hot wings, you got to tell us a story. Hot wings. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of embarrassed because like when you guys were initially asking me, I was like, can you even give yourself a call sign? Like, I feel like it's something you need to be like knighted with. But um, I used to make the joke in the workshop because I'm like, I don't want to say because I'm a girl, but I'm the strongest of the bunch. But I used to joke and just say, well, these chicken arms are packing heat. Like, don't worry about it. And then it just evolved to hot wings because I couldn't say that every time. I'm like, it's all right. Hot wings is on it. I've got this. so so how did you or what made you decide to get into the uh, aviation world um well i guess you can take it back to um, my dad was a pilot so going flying with him was just like heaven when i was a kid but i lost him in a plane accident when i was like uh I would have been nearly six years old, but it, you know, could have gone either, either way, like never touch a plane again, never want to get on a plane again. And I went the opposite direction. So um, just everything aviation, just like, I don't know, just, just became the core of who I am. But I actually started like after school, started a kind of working career as a car mechanic and it was okay. Um, Love cars still, but yeah, it was probably, or how long have I been doing it for now? Just over a year, or like a little bit over a year. But yeah, so I was like, why don't you, why don't you come and work with us on the planes out of the airport? And I was like, hey, <laughs> that makes so much sense. I like fixing things. I want to fly them. Like, let's, let's do that. So here I am. It's good. That's cool. Um, so like in the States, we have, uh, we have to get our airframe and power plant license, right? To work on any N numbered uh, aircraft. And I know Europe's covered yeah. over EASA. Uh, what, what's Australia's regulations for, uh, getting your aviation maintainer's license and such? Yeah. So we run through CASA, which is the civil aviation safety authority. So I think they, they do follow everything quite closely off EASA. Um, definitely not the FAA like you guys. I feel like, yeah, they've, they've taken snippets from everyone else's. They've like copied everyone else's homework and come up with everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, so, no need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. I, I know in IASA, um, you can only be re- rated to three airframes. Uh, is is CASA CASA the same? You can only be type rated on three separate airframes, or you, it's like the FAA. You're a broad spectrum, right? You have your airframe and power plant license. You can work on anything with wings. Um, is CASA the same thing? I feel like, look, I don't know the super details of this, but I feel like we are similar to you guys. You just have to have, um, I think it's a, far out, I'm going to butcher this. I feel like it's a year, six months to a year that you have to have like genuine working time on that particular aircraft for your license to stay relevant. But I've never heard of us having any restrictions on on the amount. So Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty similar to the FAA rules then. Um, yeah. Like I said, I know Iasa. You can only be, like, say, you could be seven forty-seven. You could be a Gulfstream G four, and you can be uh, a Cessna one seventy-two or something like that. And and then yeah. if one of those airframes becomes outdated and they no longer use it, then you can go to the next school for the next airframe. Do another thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Hey, you told me something. Okay. Yeah. So that's- as far as so as far as Casa is concerned. Um, you said you have to have like a six months to a year of actual rent time. 
that's similar to what that's similar to what the FAA does, but there's also so many different ways to get your AMP license here with the FAA. Is is there like different avenues you guys can take as far as CAS is concerned? Yes. So there's the way that I'm doing it. So you start an apprenticeship, which means that you're learning on the job. So I work full time. Um, and then depending on what my school is doing, they will book us in for some blocks. Like I've just done a month at school doing piston engines. Um, the next block I do be two weeks, depending on the subject, but it's all broken up over the course of my four year apprenticeship. Otherwise I know there's also kids in my class that do it, um, self-funded. So they'll just, which I, which is actually similar to how you guys do it. I think going to A&P school, but they'll just smash out the school for, you know, just go right through, do it for 18 months, whatever it is, and then hopefully go and get a job from that. So yeah, that's, they're the two ways that I'm aware of. That's, that's how I did it. Um, with my A&P school, it was 22 months straight. And then you, then you get a, and like the second to last quarter, um, Com- different companies will come to the school and you can interview with them, give them your resume and all that kind of stuff. And then hopefully you'll have a job lined up before you even graduate. Yeah. That's ideal. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that'd be the best case scenario. But the apprenticeship is a, is an interesting, so does your job like pay for the schooling then? Yep. See, sure that's, that's, see, that's pretty awesome. appealing. Cause most, you know, most of us, I would say, uh, don't have the, 40 to 80 grand or whatever it takes, you know, or however much your school costs to go, but Hey, four years, I can work, get some OJT and somebody's covering the bill. That that's, that's, I think I would have done that route had that been an option for me. Yeah. No kidding. You know, I mean, I kind of sort of did something similar, but with the military, uh, but it didn't lead to a license. It just led to a journeyman cert. And then if I so choose to, I can get an AP license. But at that point, you know, you kind of, you at least already had X amount of years of experience in a certain type uh, airframe. Yeah. So also with the military uh, thing here, so like <clears throat> six, you know, he's worked on uh, helos and such for 15 plus years and, uh, but doesn't have the AMP, but he and I working together and then like six to six months to a year um, of working under me or my license, then I can sign off for him to this and just go take the test. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Is that something uh, that's doable in Australia as well? Yeah. So we've got, so what I'm currently working towards now is my AMA license or sorry, qualification, I should say. So aircraft maintenance engineering. Um, And then after that, I've got to go and do a diploma for my license, which then means I can sign off on other people. But as an AMA, I can't sign off on anything, but I can, I can do all the work. I just got to have someone else there to be like, yep, you did not fuck that up. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's kind of sort of the same with us in a, in a sense, right? MVP. I mean, we can sign up our own thing, give depending on the company and the airframe, but most things, especially FAA, you have to have like a, a peer signature. No. Yes, that's correct. Um, you have to have two signatures. And then if you work under like a part one forty five, um, uh, you know, shop, you can, uh, you can also, you're protected under the one forty five. So you would use, the 145's number to sign off your write-ups. And then um, if something happened, uh, hopefully nothing happens, but if something negative happened, uh, the 145 takes the hit and you don't take the hit directly to your license. Ooh. Which is, well, yeah. Fair. That's a big one. A bit of insurance. Yeah, a little bit of insurance, but obviously there'd be some internal feedback from your employer of the 145, right? 
but at least you wouldn't lose your license depending on the severity, I guess, of the situation. Oh yeah. And the MVP alluded to a time when he's seen people literally lose their license real time. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh really? Spot checked on the ramp by a local FAA representative found to be doing things not to the book and they cut up his license in the middle of the ramp and said, get off, get off the ramp. Never, never, never to work in aviation again, or at least with an A&P license again. No baiting around the bush. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hot wings, you're also aspiring to be a pilot as well. So you're doing an apprenticeship and learning to be a pilot at the same time. I am indeed. Yes. Man. Trying to keep myself busy. Okay. <laughs> that's all sorts of busy. Like I, I would, yeah. that's a lot of, uh, a lot of space you gotta you gotta absorb <laughs> yeah definitely unfortunately my brain is um is kind of like that scene out of uh out of stepbrothers i think i was telling you guys this the other day when they're making the bunk beds and he's like there's just so much room for activities that's my head all the time so trying to fill it up with as much stuff as possible but it has been a little bit of a challenge trying to get the two happening mm. um smoothly if you will but it's it's working like i've nearly got the first stage of my license now so we're getting there nice we're getting there it's something it's always something different when you see the actual mechanics flying and you have a little bit more know-how than just a a regular person who just decided to hop in a seat and get his license yeah definitely It, it actually amazes me the amount i mean this is me just being like an absolute plane freak but like it amazes me the amount of engineers that just have no interest in flying them at all. They're just quite happy going to work, fixing. That's kind of it. But um, it have, has like been a huge benefit knowing the engineering side of things as well as, you know, how to fly. Like you're getting both sides of the story really well. Almost deaf. And there's also been, we, we've had experiences with engineers who are just all about designing, like making the drawings and the, yeah. and the blueprints, et cetera. And then they never actually see their, their drawings, their creations actually be made and then put on a plane. So when we come with them with problems like, hey, man, this doesn't fit or this is not working right. And they just kind of like they just go straight to the drawings. It, 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 it's working right here in the drawing. That, that's cool. <laughs> but <laughs> let, me, yeah. let, let me tell you what's really happening. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 hard to get that translation across when your brain's so heavily in that design phase, yep. or you know, just the fixing, and then you've got a pilot coming and telling you, but no, it's still not feeling right, and they're like, but the manual says it's right. It's like, yeah, what's going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, 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 have you had uh, what sort of a uh, pilot? Uh, we'll say gripes. What sort of pilot gripes have you heard? come across the way and you're like that no <laughs> like an, an example is like they say like uh wait on wheel switch doesn't work in flight no shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't say uh, no. yeah no thanks for that insight there um god no i haven't heard anything crazy yet to be honest no look there's, there's our fireboss pilots are pretty pretty good with getting things across and they know those planes like those planes are their babies mm-hmm. they know them inside out all the little quirks that they have. And as soon as one of them comes up and says, this isn't, this isn't doing what it's supposed to, we're all pretty quick to just be like, yep, listen to the man. He flies it all the fucking time. Like he knows what's going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there isn't there a whole lot, there isn't a whole lot of uh, like, well, you mentioned pistons. So I'm, I'm imagining there's like not a whole lot going on versus like something that's larger or something that has a, a specific task to do once it's actually in the air. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like say, uh, like, say like uh, combat aircraft or uh, commercial airline aircraft. Like I've, I've, there's like so many bells and whistles that has to go into like making sure the passengers are safe, make sure they have a way to egress should an accident happen versus like uh, some of the smaller airframes that you've seen shown us. It's kind of like a little bit more personal, I would say. Yeah, it's a bit more intimate, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, um, yeah, so we've got, oh God, there's such a crazy mixture of, of aircraft in our workshop. So we do run like um, joy flights and stuff out of, uh, some of our Cessnas. And like, I'll give the passenger briefing for that. I'll be like, if a fire goes off, don't breathe while the extinguisher's going off, don't jump out any windows, don't touch the controls. Like it's super, super lax. Like they're just like, oh, okay, just don't don't touch anything. But there's, um, you know, we still hit all the little negatives, but um, it's definitely not as formal as it would be for, for what you guys have worked on, I don't think. What, what types of uh, airframes do you guys have in your shop? So we have, uh, oh goodness, where do I start? So we've got the Cessnas. We've got a uh, Marchetti bird dog, um, which was originally known as before the Italians took over. Um, we've got the fire bosses. So that's an air tractor that has been put onto some big, big whipline um, floats. What else have we got? We've got the warbirds. We're building a spitfire at the moment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. That should be finished in like, oh, we're hoping like eight weeks. It's been a long time coming, but we're excited for that. And then we've got the Harvard, we've got a Tiger Moth, we've got the Mustang, Ooh. we've got the Hawker Hurricane, Chipmunk. Like it's just, there's so much stuff happening. So much. Wow. Yeah. You guys have quite the uh, mixture of new, old, uh, different sizes, different built for different things. That's, that's pretty, pretty wild. And now are those all for a variety of customers for, for, one customer um, or building the, you know, your boss buys it, do you build them and then he resells or how does that, what's that going? So a lot of them at the moment actually do belong to my boss and his family. So they were all restoration projects from back in the day and he will, I highly doubt he'll ever let them go. Um, some, uh, do, they do belong to other people and we just hold on to them. We're actually upgrading our museum at the moment. The airport's getting huge renovations at the moment. So our museum hangers getting, getting big upgrades. So a lot of people will send us their planes. Like we've just had a Mirage jet and a Mackie sent to us from, I don't know who, but they're not ours, but they'll just live in the museum hangar for however long they need to. Um, but yeah, so some, some, some is ours, some is not. Okay. Which is cool. your, your shop yeah. sounds a little bit like, um, one here in Van Nuys when I used to work at the Van Nuys airport, which is in the, what they call the Valley, you know, in Los Angeles area, but a company called Clay Lacey and they have kind of a mixture of that. And the owner, he's a lot of those uh, old warbirds and stuff sitting in the back are his own personal projects that they'll never get rid of, but they're also not airworthy anymore either. So just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there for nostalgia, you know, pretty much. I think just so you can look at him and say, look what, look what I've got type thing. But man, I, yeah. I think you could at least, it's sad to see a couple of those P-51s just sitting there collecting dust. I mean, either one, donate them to a museum or two, put the money into them and make them flyable again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
We have um, we have a lot of museums like that, and all of the restoration, like the aircraft, might stay static, but a lot of the restoration will be done by old dudes that just volunteer. There's always someone that wants to be involved in the rebuild. So, like, even if they don't fly again, they're getting a glow up. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. That's cool. Yeah. That's how a lot of the warbird restos go here. You'll get some uh, old timers who worked on them back when they were in their heyday type thing, you know, and they'll just come and donate their time because a lot of the knowledge and how those aircraft are put together, or how to fix them, um, you know, are, are s- slowly getting lost with time. But fortunately, there's still some guys around that can uh, shed the knowledge on it and they'll just donate their time and do that. Yeah, definitely. So, what uh, is like your most favorite part about being an aircraft maintenance engineer everything i don't know i'm still so like (laughs) i'm still so fresh into it um just everything still excites me so much but i get such a good um you know well-rounded i don't just work on the engine side of things or the f like i've been doing a great deal of sheet metal as well um like just I'm getting a really good scope of the whole the whole industry at the moment. So just anything I can learn, I'm just getting super pumped up about. The right. sheet metal, as you can attest to, that 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 is an art form. Um, I haven't done sheet metal in a long time. And at the end of 2020, uh, I was supporting a project and we were doing some sheet metal work again. And I was working with some guys who have done it day in and day out for years. And uh, it, it's impressive what uh, people can make out of nothing. You know what I mean? It's it's quite the art form. Oh yeah, most dev. So so, do you prefer uh, the airframe side of it or the power plants? If you were to ha- if you were to pick, if I had to pick, I don't know. I know I'm definitely more interested in the power plant, like especially since just finishing piston engines at school. I'm like that's what I want to do. But um, the sheet metal sheet metal's good because that's like it's one of those things like it's going to beat me most days. But I love that because it's like, okay, no, we're not, we're not going to lose today. Like it's, it's super challenging. So I love that side of it. But yeah, definitely more interested in the power plant side of things. I would have hey, to agree hey. with you on that for me as well. I'm more of a power plant person. Same, same. Flight line for life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> flight, line, flight line for life. <laughs> now, now you mentioned sheet metal. Uh, I can say a, a, a bigger headache than sheet metal will be composite. Like, ah, man, like. That that's a whole different art form in itself, and just working with it, it fucking sucks. You like, know what? I mean, though? Like- I, I thought com- to me, I thought composites were a little, a little bit easier than the sheet metal side. True, uh, true to a point, because at least like quick composite, like if it breaks, like whatever, I can just fabricate another one. Where sheet metal, like it, it whatever you do to metal, it it highlights all of your mistakes. Like if you if you peened it wrong, if you bent it wrong, it's gonna show all the time. Like. Oh, so I, so I do, ha- I do get you guys on that, on that end. I just hate composite because yeah. of all the stuff that goes into it, like all the prep, the cure oh, times yeah. and all the, that. The prep work is insane. It, and, and learning from the guys that I learned from, it's all in the prep. Oh yes. 100%. So hot wings. This is actually a question from one of your fans. Yes, you do. You have them. You do have fans. <laughs> and uh, they say, they, they're asking like, what's it like? Uh, being a woman in the industry and what are some of the things that you have faced being in it? That's such a good question because it's um, been in two trades, two separate trades now. It's been two very different experiences. Cars didn't love that. They were, yeah, they didn't want me there. They really didn't want me there. But aviation, the second I walked into that workshop, 
my chief engineer just saying, hey, you can pull the hydraulic ones out of the floats. And I was just like, yeah, I should be able to do it. And he was like, sweet, off you go, sort it out. Like there was no, there was no pressure to do, um, you know, to work miracles or anything straight away. He trusted me. You know, if I wasn't going to be capable of doing something, he kind of just knew that she'll come and see me if she has a problem. Um, but a year into it now, the boys that I work with have been so supportive and so like, they just, they know that I'm there to learn. They know that I love what I'm doing. I've made a ton of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely not perfect, but they're just like, she keeps showing up. She knows she, um, you know, she knows what she wants to do and, and they, they just treat you accordingly. I've never felt like the woman in the workshop. Like I've never, there's never been a me versus them moment. It's just, if she wants to work, we'll put it to work. It's, it's as simple as that. They're, they're quite straightforward in my workshop, which is, which is awesome. There's been no pressure from, from that. It's good. It's really good. I'm very grateful for them. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. It's nice that they're taking the time to, to show you things, but also letting you kind of be your own person and uh, not, not being a, what I call a helicopter parent type thing where they're hovering over you the whole time. Yeah. Like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? It's nice that they're allowing you to be an adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, we've seen instances where you, where you have felt from like the, the automotive side of the house where like, Oh, like you just felt like the boy, like the boys club just got broken up, you know, or the boy band got yeah. broken up. Like now, now we gotta be, now we gotta be nice. We gotta be sensitive. Yeah. Now we gotta you watch know? what we say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. No, it's um, very, just different attitudes completely. And like, I was the, um, I was the first female apprentice that Jeep Chrysler Dodge put on in Australia um, because they didn't want females in there. And my service manager at the time actually kind of like snuck me through the system, didn't tell higher up that he was putting me on. And then I came through on payroll, obviously. And they're like, what the heck, what is she doing in? And the probation period was like six months. And the big boss had said to my manager, give her a week to prove herself. Otherwise she's out. So that was the kind of shit that I was, Wow, that's, that pressure that you're constantly dealing with. So, yeah. That, that's almost, uh, that's unnecessary pressure. It, it, putting too high expectations, right. like you have to prove yourself in one week's time. Well, I'm new to the industry, yeah. so I don't know what I'm supposed to prove you printed. on, but <laughs> exactly. like, I guess I can change oil. In a, do you want to time me changing oil? Like, what do you want me to do here? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> How badly can I do this? I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, it's probably like that, unfortunately. Um, in most places throughout the world. I know, I know in the States, there's definitely that, that happens more often than not, um, be it in the automotive side or in the aviation side. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully that kind of starts dwindling as. It's definitely, it's definitely getting better, but I, it's not going to disappear for a little while. I don't think that attitude. Um, but that's just the older, older mentalities and they're just stuck in their ways for now. And that's not, no one can really change that, but yeah, it, it'll take a little bit more time. I think. Now, one thing I've change. noticed in the U S side of things, um, a lot of the women who get into aviation, they don't stay on the floor for very long. They move to management pretty quick. Like they move up through the ranks really quick and into management roles, which is good because then they're also bringing in, you know, they're recruiting more females to come in on the floor you know, which, which has been helpful. Yeah, most definitely. And I, and I think a lot of it comes like, uh, 
they they're just coming in with that willingness to learn that willingness to progress that willingness to make improvements changes uh and so forth and then their work ethic shows their 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 enthusiasm shows and they're just like you know we want you in a spot where you can mentor people and then naturally when uh in nowadays the more likelihood of other women mechanics coming by or, or women technicians coming by like okay this person can be your mentor and really teach you the ropes of what's actually going down that's something along the lines you're going to do too you're going to find so, they, some uh, baby hot wings and, and put them under your wing oh <laughs> uh, i don't know oh uh, look i yeah i would love to um i'd love to to be a reason for other women to come through um or at least help you know i just i can't see myself sitting at a desk or doing doing like in the workshop yeah I'll, I'll, I'll train as many people as I can one day hopefully I'm at that level but um yeah I can't see myself sitting at a desk I think I'll, I'll be on the tools and flying till till I can't do it anymore I mean that's what MVP and I said now look at us we're inspectors and I mean we, we do some we do some stuff on the floor but for the most part we're there chasing uh, chasing numbers and making sure people are doing their stuff right per the and reviewing processes and stuff now god I've been I've been getting into that lately just deep dive in technical manuals and making changes here and there and having things, you know, working with engineering, they want to remove things, add things. And, and I have to deep dive and say, well, does it make sense? Yes or no. And then there's a whole process for that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Now you're, you're flying. What kind of, uh, hours do you have to have down there for your different, uh, type ratings? Uh, so for, so RPL, I feel like it's all set up the same with the, the licensing. So RPL, PPL and CPL, I think. Um, so recreational pilot's license, that's like your, your first stage or restricted. I think some people call it, but I think the minimum for that is 25 hours. So it's actually quite quick. It's not too bad. It's still expensive, but it's quite quick. Um, and then your PPL, that bumps up to 40 hours minimum. Um, and then there's obviously quite a few more exams in between that little period there that you have to do. And then CPL jumps up to, oh, goodness, I think that's 100 and, 120 or 150 hours. So that's a lot more again. And then that's like the big seven exam block um, that you have to do, uh, which is a lot of hard work. Like, yeah, but that's this, your CPL is the foundation if you want to go ahead and do like the really cool stuff. So like yeah. that would be if you want to fly airliners or uh, private jets or, yeah. or multi-engine, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So CPL is kind of the, the baseline foundation for any bigger endorsements you want to get, which is, yeah, it's a good way to do it. So where are you at in your, in your, uh, certifications now for flying? So I think I'm like an hour of getting my body out. So I'm going to start going through and start studying for my PPL exam. So that's my private pilot's license. Um, and then, yeah, then just got to get those hours up so I can, because CPL is the goal. So I've just got to just got to keep flying in between that and then get those big exams out of the way. So nearly, um, yeah, nearly halfway though, which is exciting. It's been a long time. That's awesome. <laughs> um, how often are you able to fly? Is it, is it a, a daily, a bi-weekly, weekly, monthly, you know? Yeah, I'm quite lucky with my work. Um, they look after me quite well. Um, so when the weather's not misbehaving, I'm usually trying to get up like two or three times a week, which a lot of people can't do. Um, so I'm, yeah, eternally grateful for what my boss does for me. 
Um, but yeah, just, just, it's, it's so hard because when you're practicing or learning anything, you want to be doing it obviously as frequently as possible. Like a, a player would never just play once a week and then that's kind of it. So you really want to keep a rhythm happening with it. Um, but that can be hard because it is an expensive thing to do. So yeah, just got to balance it all out somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a yeah. full-time, uh, full-time job. Also full-time student still. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have, you know, family obligations outside of work you gotta you gotta mix into the play too um just not a lot of you gotta sleep what did arnold schwarzenegger say sleep faster i think he had a speech called sleep faster it's one of those sleep faster yeah (laughs) now now be now be honest when you're when you're actually in the plane and you're about to roll down the runway do you do you hum the top gun theme song every day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i mean like it's the 150 which is like a milo tin with wings like it's the smallest plane you could probably jump into and I'm like, like doing doing like weird calls uh calls on the radio like i'm switching to guns goose like what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> my doctor's like would you shut up and just stop <laughs> permission to buzz the tower switching <laughs> to guns one. goose you're in a 172 <laughs> you don't have guns so your, your plane is like literally flying on kite strings How, what are you talking about Ta- taping broomsticks to the to the wing so it looks like guns <laughs> right? it's so good so what, what are some of the what's some of the funnier things you've seen or done in the shop oh goodness we're so tame hey we are so tame I, i'm surprised because australians aren't known for being tame yeah. No, see, we're not outside of the workshop. We just don't advertise because we're all aviation. So we're trying, <laughs> trying to keep our job. Uh, unlike <laughs> us hooligan Americans. Really. <laughs> yeah, far out. No, we, we definitely, we have our parties. We definitely enjoy ourselves out, out of hours. Um, but workshop, it's, yeah, it's heads down, bums up. We're quite serious. Heads oh, down, bums yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way we like to work. <laughs> wow, I feel like we're such opposites on that on that side of the spectrum. Because, yeah, we do serious we we do serious work, and we when the when the time matters, then yes, like you said, heads down, bums up. But if it's just yeah. like routine servicing, routine maintenance, whatever, you hear radios blaring, you'll hear like the the entire spectrum of the music industry playing. Yeah. The shenanigans, the shop pranks, all that stuff, man. It's all, it all, it all happens. <laughs> right. The ID 10 T forms, uh, catching, uh, catching sparks or doing exhaust samples. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now in your apprenticeship, have you had to do any of those things? Have you had to take exhaust samples or, uh, um. <laughs> I um uh, I, I got lost looking for a left-handed screwdriver once, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was that was the worst. But I don't think they wanted to try. Oh, and blinker fluid when I was a um In when I was a comic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of blinker fluid. I was like, shit. Where do I get it? Oh man, that's good. Well, at least yeah. uh, at least she wasn't like that one dude in our last story who who ordered a, a pallet of rotor wash. Remember? Oh my god, yeah, oh, fifteen thousand dollars worth of rotor wash. Say <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where did you even find it? 
Oh, by the way, <laughs> or in Shoreline's case, you know, like he's going, he's going around, round robin, uh, around the, the fair, trying to find some shoreline that doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> That's awesome. Oh boy. <laughs> so how are you guys going with work and everything at the moment? Are you back in the swing of things? Like has COVID affected you guys too badly? So for, for myself and six personally, we've stayed working the whole time. You guys Cert- wouldn't have been affected, right? Yeah, cert- so because we're sort of we're contractors, um, we our programs have been deemed uh, essential to keep going. So awesome. we haven't uh, had any hiccups. Now there have been days where, like, oh, somebody's like, oh, I got, I'm exposed, and I worked around these guys, and they'll send certain people home for ten days or whatever it is, and this and that. Yeah. But for the most part, now it's been, it's still been. You know, some days are twelve-hour days, and that goes for weeks. And some days are just normal, but it, it it's just pressed on. Not, no, no hiccup in the system, really. That's awesome. I'm happy for you guys. That's great. Well, how about how about you though? On down there, has the COVID been a pretty negative impact on on your work? My workshop, personally, no, because because we're fire services, we're technically essential as well. So we didn't stop. Um, and right when it all hit, we were, we were getting ready for a fire season. So it's like, we're not stopping. Mm, no. <laughs> you tell us that we're probably not going to stop. Yeah. Fires don't stop for COVID. Exactly. So yeah, we were, we were very lucky there too. Very lucky. Did you guys have to increase your hours? Like I was saying here, some days when people had to be out cause they were out sick or whatever else for COVID, um, to make up for the lost time, instead of working, like I say, a normal eight hour day your day, our days increased to 12 hour days. Did you guys have to go through a similar, uh, similar time or schedule change? That's huge. No, we're, we're so lucky where I live. Nobody got it. Nobody got it. Like there are a few people in Sydney, um, that, that copped it. Um, but we were, we were, we're isolated where we are kind of like we're in the sticks a little bit. Um, so the, the, the only real changes that happened in our workshop was we split the workshop into two separate hangers. Um, so it was like team A and team B. Um, so if someone did get sick, it wasn't the whole workshop wiped out, but, um, yeah, so ours didn't change. It was just, we, we took a lot of precautionary, um, steps quite early on to just prevent any crap happening. So, but nothing happened. We oh, that's good. Awesome. You guys got very lucky. Cause man, so many, so many other places, um, were now I'm going to switch up gears a little bit. So are you aware of the YouTube channel called Mighty Car Mods? No. What's that? So it's these two guys, Martin and Moog, and they're out of Sydney. They're, uh, they, they, their channel's really good, but they just work on cars. They'll buy and sell cars. They take them to a track. They modify them Actually, themselves. I think I have. I have, I have. These guys are awesome. They did like that cool little beetle thing. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. They're, they're awesome. So... Do you think it's possible to do an aviation version of that? Because I watch that channel quite frequently, and I would keep thinking to myself, how can we do an aviation version of that, right? And I'm not a pilot, so it would be hard for me. I can work on them, but I couldn't go fly them. Um, but, you're, but you're a pilot, so. Yeah, I reckon it's totally. Thing? Hint, hint, totally wink, wink. Yeah, that yeah. would be. <laughs> can we sort this out, please? Um, yeah, no, I reckon that would be. I'd have to look into, like, because what we've got here, if you're going to build your own plane, even if you're not a licensed engineer, it's called 51% rule over here. So um, I think for you guys, it's a experimental. When, when you're just building experimental, that's mm-hmm. it. So over here, it's the 51% rule. If you build more than 51% of the aircraft, 
CASA says, well, you built it, like, you know how it, how it goes, you're, you're licensed to work on it and therefore you can, you can fly it. So oh, interesting. it's doable. I reckon it's doable. That'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. And it's just, you know, the channel obviously start off in some smaller planes and eventually, uh, as you yeah. build up your licenses, I think, uh, man, I think we could, I think we really got something going here. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that'd be sweet. Yeah. That'd be a cool channel. Yeah. Just, just, uh, find, find <laughs> us a, uh, a dinghy space where we can build slash restore a plane and then we'll have you fly it. Hey, more, more hours for you. Yeah. More hours for you. Yeah, man. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'll better test pilot. So hot wings, any, any last takeaways for anyone out there, especially like the, the women that are mechanics or women aspiring to be mechanics or pilots? Um, I think my, my number one, number one tip is, so I've got a few tips. That was a lie. Um, don't ever be, (laughs) (laughs) um, don't ever be swayed by what someone else wants you to do. I know that there's lots of women that, 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 that I speak to that say, I want to be an AMA or an AMT and the bosses will be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But we think you'd be better suited in this role. And that's fair enough. Sometimes that is, is the case, but, um, if that's not what you want to do, don't do it. Um, always just always have fun with it. The second you stop having fun with what you're doing, like, and I'm not talking like a crappy day at work, just always be having fun with what you're doing. Like this, this whole thing is meant to be a really, oh, it's like this beautiful journey of learning. I'm about to get super deep and emotional here. Like just enjoy the whole process. Don't let it be a drag and, and don't put up with any shit. That's for the ladies. Don't put up with any shit at all. Because you're just as capable as anyone else. It's, Damn right. Yeah. No, yeah. no stopping what you want. Yeah. Fist bumping everything. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, anything, uh, MVP, any takeaways? Uh, Hot Wings, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you and getting the insight of how things operate in uh, other parts of the world. Parts that I've never been to personally, but it is a life's goal to get down there one day. So hopefully, uh, can make that happen. We can all meet up at a pub somewhere and uh, maybe oh, go for yeah. a go for a for a fly over the uh, outback. Yeah, most def. And you got to show us some of the craft beers that go on in Australia because I've tried I've tried one. I can't find it nowhere else, and it was fantastic. Oh really? Well, let me know. I'll ship some over for you. I'll just I'll start sending samples now and get you ready for it. Bet. Oh, say, yeah. say less <laughs> say less fam <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on oh you guys are awesome thank you so much for having me Alrighty. so so much All right. legends stay in I'm touch good. and uh, I'm sure we're going to have you on here again real soon oh, that would be amazing that would be cool you guys have an awesome rest of your day Hi. you, you too well. and uh, enjoy the rest of yours as well We'd like to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to keep producing episodes and keep Shoreline ever the happy to produce our show with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Stephanie Boatman, Jenny Dignan, Ryan Frushauer, Daniel Schubert, and Steven Shivers. Thank you all, our patrons, so much, all your support, and again, your patronage. If you have ideas, topics, or stories for the show, or you would like to be a guest on the show, visit cancelformaintenance.com and drop us a line on our contact us section. We will do whatever we can to get you and or your ideas onto the show. 
Check out our sponsor, Rockwell Time, for all sorts of outdoors and sporting apparel such as watches, safety-rated sunglasses, and snowboarding goods. Visit rockwelltime.com, use code CX4MX, and save 10% off your purchases. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cancelformaintenance. Patronage, again, allows us to continue making episodes and maintain our gear. Patrons also get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord and discounts to our upcoming merch.